Hello, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Why Theory. As always, I am your host, Ryan Engley, joined, as always, by co-host Todd McGowan. Todd, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great today, Ryan. Yes, I know why you're great, because we we're talking about the greatest of subjects. We're talking about Hamlet today, as you can see from the title, and this is going to kick off a little bit of a, another series for us uh, of taking literary works, talking through literary works, and they're uh, specifically those that have, um, I would say, outsized uh, import in psychoanalysis. Um, And this is uh, a very important work for Freud and for Lacan and for some other more recent thinkers. I think you and I have a take on the play uh, as well as a take on the psychoanalytic take on this. And uh, this, you know, when we were planning this this, this episode, there were a lot of uh, things, I mean, particularly in this country, that are uh, existentially devastating. Uh, the, right. um, the 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 just the rampant uh, destruction of women's rights in in this country. And um, I, we were, I I had wanted, and, and you and I, and you and I both wanted to kind of have an episode to talk about that in some way. And I did not think it would be this one, but it will be. Right. I know. I know, I know it, it will be. I, yeah. I know it. Yeah. I know it will be. So, um, yeah. for people who may be a little unfamiliar. Uh, with the play, uh, am I right in remembering that Hamlet is a lion, and <laughs> his father is James Earl Jones and Jeremy yeah. Irons? Am I yeah. right about that? That's, you got that's, it. That's, You've got that's it. That's what Shakespeare wrote. It. Okay. I uh, I just wanted to say that we start these series and they never seem to end. Do you notice that? <laughs> that's like the, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> that's well, that, Todd. As I as I as I teach as I teach the students with seriality. What you really want in a series is the middle because when you're in the middle, anything can happen, but, and, and, and the series could be anything. And then when it ends, you have to be like, actually, it could really only be like these five things. And that's always disappointing. So we want to, we want a middle. This is a new series to middle for us. That's right. So we're avoiding the disappointment of the end of any of these other series. Yes. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. So, so (laughs) Hamlet. So Mm -hmm. obviously if you haven't read the play, you should stop listening and reading the play <laughs> or watch. We both agree. I think that the Kenneth Branagh version is the best. I mean, for one thing, it's the complete play. Yes, that's uh, true. Mm-hmm. All the lines. I have a funny irony about this. So Branagh <laughs> was nominated. So the play was not nominated or the film was not nominated for best picture, but he was mm-hmm. nominated for an Oscar. Do you know what one? Uh, no, I don't. For best adapted screenplay. And I thought that was very funny since <laughs> Every single line <laughs> comes directly from Shakespeare. So I thought it's really, we want to give Shakespeare an Oscar nomination. <laughs> yeah, uh, right, right, right. He's a good it's, writer, you know? He just, yeah. he, those, that dialogue, it's all really snappy. Uh, he, so anyway. He, he knows, yeah, he knows, he knows what he's doing. I, I think that's Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, and if you're, so if you're looking for a film version to watch, we both think that one's the good one. Uh, mm-hmm. Other people do like the. I think the the Olivier early one, which actually did win the Oscar, yeah. is is dated and and ultimately unsuccessful. The Mel Gibson one, some people like it. Friends of mine like it. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't really like it. But um, okay, so let's so the play. So there's a cum- Ham- there's a Cumberbatch one recently. It's not like a movie. It's a it's a taping of the uh, right. performance. Uh, that, and that's right. like kind of interesting. Although there are some, I, I think I'm remembering this right. There are some things with Ophelia that I want to talk to you about uh, that they do with the Ophelia character. Uh, she's going to be a big part of this. I big part of anticipate. what we're going to talk about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so the play begins 
with uh, some friends of Hamlet seeing the ghost of his father. They bring Hamlet out. Uh, he sees the ghost himself. The ghost tells him, revenge my foul, most foul and unnatural murder. And then he's like, ah, I suspected it all the time. My mm-hmm. uncle Claudius actually murdered my father, then married my mother. You can see mm-hmm. why that's going to be important <laughs> psychoanalytically. Uh, yeah. And then Hamlet spends the rest of the play, according to some critics of the play, delaying getting his mm-hmm. revenge. And then in the end, and then he gets uh, shipped away before he the things come to fruition. He gets shipped away to England, mm-hmm. uh, but really to be killed. But he ends up thwarting that attempted attempt on his life and and Mm -hmm. subverting it and killing the people that were the bearers of his or having killed the people that were going to lead to his execution. And then he comes back and then there's a bloodbath. Mm -hmm. There's a, it's a, it's a, it's actually, there's a sword fight between Laertes, who's another, who's a, uh, the brother of Hamlet's girlfriend, Ophelia and the, a a nice choice by Branagh to have Laertes kiss on the lips uh, Ophelia, I think two times or, right. and then, so there, you know, so there's a, so there's right. a nice, there's nice, a lot nice of affection there. between them. And so yeah. one of the reasons Hamlin has to be shipped out is that he's killed Polonius, who's an advisor to the King and the father of Laertes. And mm-hmm. so he comes back, Laertes wants his revenge. So they have a, a sword fight, but it's not to the death. It's to points, but mm-hmm. it ends up being to the death because Claudius, the King wants to get rid of Hamlet so he mm-hmm. has the tip of the sword poisoned. And just to make sure, he poisons the wine that Hamlet's supposed to drink after every successful hit. So if he doesn't get hit, he drinks the wine and is killed. If he gets hit, he's killed by the sword. So it's a it's a it's a surefire way to get rid of him. Unfortunately, Gertrude, his mother, Claudius's wife, drinks the cup. <laughs> he yes. can't tell her. He can't say, he even says, don't drink it. <laughs> and she's like, I'm going to drink. You can't say, don't drink it because it's poisoned because that would, that would be The game good. is is loose if you, if you, right. you know, yeah. That's right. That's right. And so, but Hamlet ends up being struck by Laertes. Laertes gets struck by his own sword because they get mixed up during the fight. So Laertes dies, Gertrude does, uh, dies, Hamlet dies, and Claudius dies. So four people die mm-hmm. in this final scene. And then as Hamlet, his final word is the rest is silence. And he asks his friend Horatio, who's been accompanying him the whole time, who showed him the ghost, to stay alive and tell my story. So that's nice. That's the broad, basic. broad overview. We're going to get into yeah. specifics, uh, specifically uh, around you know uh, motivation, the whys of certain things, and like some over overgirding uh, overgirding thematics. I like that, not undergirding. Overgirding. <laughs> um, <laughs> so so obviously think, yeah. one of the most important plays for psychoanalysis, right, Ryan? Yes. Why is that? Well, so this is uh, pretty fascinating. In the interpretation of dreams, Freud has. A, I'm going to read a little bit of this. Okay. From one pair from from one paragraph. This was a footnote in the um, in the 1900 version that was uh, later elevated to full paragraph. Uh, I think. What does my note here say? From 1914 onward. Um, so I have full a, paragraph uh, in the text, or no? Yeah, mm-hmm, full paragraph yeah, yeah. in the text. Right. So I have but, the uh, the. Well, I'm reading from. <laughs> Page 282 on the basic books, I sometimes think the basic bitch edition of uh, The Interpretation of Dreams, Uh, and we go this. Um, Another of the great creations of tragic poetry, Shakespeare's Hamlet, has its roots in the same soil as Oedipus Rex, but the changed treatment of the same material reveals the whole difference in the mental life of these two widely separated epochs of civilization. 
the secular advance of repression in the emotional life of mankind. In the Oedipus, the child's wishful fantasy that underlines it is, uh, underlies it is brought into the open and realized as it would be in a dream. In Hamlet, it remains repressed. And, just as in the case of a neurosis, we only learn of its existence from its inhibiting consequences. So, there's a lot more uh, that he says, I mean, and when I say a lot more, I mean there's like 20 more lines about this, but that's, that's pretty much it. But that's the broad stroke of it, that what uh, Freud's take is that this is an Oedipal play, but very, very importantly, the Oedipal content is completely repressed, as opposed to Oedipus, where that's what the play is about. So... Right. Hamlet is about for Freud this repression of the uh, of the Oedipal, uh, uh, what would you say uh, urge? Desire? I mean, in desire, desire yeah. In, yeah, yeah, I think in uh, in Hamlet. So why does why does Hamlet not kill Claudius? Like this is a very famous scene where he's got the drop on him, he's behind him, and he doesn't kill him, and because Claudius did what Hamlet wanted to do. So right. he killed. Right. He killed uh, Hamlet's father. Hamlet senior. To, yeah. Exactly. To 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 marry Gertrude. That's what Hamlet wants to do. So Hamlet can't kill that which is the like living embodiment of his own desire. That's Freud's take on this. It's just in one long paragraph in Interpretation of Dreams. And uh, you were telling me about this. So Ernest Jones, right, has a yeah. uh, like a, a book that goes through all the possible interpretations. Of That's right of that scene to come to the conclusion that Freud has to be right about this? Is has to be that? right, right. So yeah. it's, a, it's a very good book, actually. It's called Hamlet and Oedipus. And he he basically goes through all the other extant important readings at the time mm-hmm. of, and that, that are all basically attempts to explain away Hamlet's delay, right? And, yeah. and, they all, and, and, and he shows how all of them have to be incorrect. Like, Hamlet's incapable of action. This is one of the most convincing points. Like Hamlet's incapable mm-hmm. of action. And, and and Ernest Jones is like, no, actually, when it's killing someone else, he can act pretty quickly because he stabs yeah. Polonius yeah. no problem. So mm-hmm. that's pretty so it's it's just it's a very it's a it's it's clearly derivative of Freud's take in that mm-hmm. note and in that paragraph, but it's a very impressive little book for a for a an old style psychoanalytic. Reading, I mean, part of the problem is that it's the psychoanalysis of a character, right? Like mm-hmm. that is a, sure. that's a problem. Um, but maybe there are other problems too. But but that is you've you've outlined the basic Freudian claim, and I think he, I think it's tied to this notion that as modernity arises, repression increases, right? Like the yeah. more modern subjectivity is just more repressed than Attica Greek subjectivity, and so. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's why Hamlet can only, get, can't ever like it never gets enacted in the play. It just gets manifested as this inability of him to act. So that is interesting. Mm-hmm. So, so Freud is taking a formal aspect of the play, the the failure, what he sees as the failure to act on Hamlet's part, and interpreting that in psychoanalytic in a psychoanalytic fashion. So that seems, I think, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I think it's great, and I think to put a pin down here. I mean, we're like ten minutes in. I think. Our interest in this, uh, and this is, I think, going to um, quilt uh, all of what we come back to, is that this play as a development or statement of uh, modern subjectivity. And right. so, what what does it what does it mean What does it mean to think that? Because it's uh, th- that is one of the I think 
most important legacies of this play uh, in like in Shakespeare scholarship in not, not just in Shakespeare scholarship, but just like what, how this play is looked at as uh, a, a, a moment in time as like a historical document of, uh, of the, of a society of, of civilization as such as, as, uh, as psyche at like, what is it, what does it freeze in time? And what do we see from, from there forward? Like it's not, and it, and it needs to be understood also, uh, how it continues to be relevant is the most important thing. Like we don't like there, I mean, I made that joke about Lion King. Um, like this story continues to be told in very different ways, but Oedipus doesn't. And so that is a very, which isn't to say that doesn't at all, but like, it's like, this is, and is it because as Freud argues, is it because that it represses the Oedipal desire? And that's why we can tell this story because it like, it kind of puts at arm's length, this like, incestuous a kind of upsetting material uh, it allows us to enjoy it at the same time right like that's, yeah, that would yeah. Be the, that would be the freudian point i think so yeah exactly so so that's that's um sort of our interest in this and and what is it atten- so to think this i mean and this would be this is jumping way 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 ahead uh so i don't want so probably i think we'll probably my my prediction will pick this up in about 20 minutes but like one of the crucial aspects of like if if we're going to take seriously the idea it's more i think it's more interesting to take seriously the idea that this is a statement of modern subjectivity than to argue whether it is or it isn't i think right it's it's just more interesting to move forward from that premise because if you do then that means a crucial part of modern subjectivity is an inherent misogyny and that's something i think we're gonna kind of right we'll get to that right we'll get to that so but that's a that's a little bit more uh a little bit later so uh, where do you want to go next? You want to go with Lacan? Well, let's talk uh, about Lacan. Yeah, let's talk about Lacan because I think it's so. His his he does not follow Freud's reading, and he thinks that Freud misses where Hamlet's real conflict lies. And 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 it it and it, it interestingly like so he talks about the, he devotes a considerable number of sessions to this this play in Seminar Six, Desire and its Interpretation. Oh, quickly, and, can I say yeah. very quickly a. Yeah publishing note on this this has recently been uh officially released in english i think 2019 seminar six came out yeah from polity books um we don't care where you get your lacan there are the, not all of them are are available officially uh by you know approved from jacqueline miller uh not all of them are available yeah. su- such as 12 <laughs> such as 13 14, 15, 16. So 18, right? Like it's, it's well, the, even so, in French, the first ones you named are not available. So, so it's 12, 13, 14, 15. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think I don't, because we don't, uh, you know, we don't have any sponsors or we don't make any <laughs> money like from, right. from this. So I think it's okay to reference uh, Cormac Gallagher's Lacan in Ireland project. Right. Uh, we had a, a listener really nicely, uh, um, ask if you know we we knew about this project which uh which we do but other people may not uh so you can get some of the uh not officially available uh right. lacan text uh from this website lacan in ireland uh dot com and even though uh, cormac gallagher is himself an apostate so that's a kind of interesting uh, see that so that makes yeah. it sexy i think it, so does. The, the, it does the whole right. it's, it's not that's just right. piracy kind of you know like <laughs> legal piracy that you're engaged with but it's a little sexy too because he's an apostate yeah. so yeah i like that yeah 
Um, yeah. But yes, okay. So we were talking about Lacan's take. Yeah, so Lacan's take is different. And, it, and, and interestingly, this was one of the first, even though it's the most recent seminar released in France and it, one of the most recent released in English, I think, too. Not the mm-hmm. most recent, but one of the most recent. Um, it, it, it was actually available in English, the take on Hamlet, much yes. earlier, published in Yale French Studies in the mm-hmm. 70s, maybe, I'm thinking, or think early right. 80s. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and I think Shoshana Feldman uh, translated it, and I think Malaire helped her translate it even, so, mm-hmm. or, or helped her, I don't know what. But um, So it's interesting that it was available earlier, and it's differently, much differently translated in yeah, the new version. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but but Bruce Fink does seminar 6. So that's interesting. So it was available because of this thought, I think, uh the fact that English depart English professors, English graduate students, English students would be mm-hmm. interested in Ham- in Lacan's take on Hamlet. I just mm-hmm. really complimented Lacan by <laughs> <laughs> by mistaking his name for Hamlet. Um uh, that's very about very Lacan's nice. name on on Hamlet, uh, Lacan's mm-hmm. take on Hamlet. And I don't know, I don't love it. I don't think it's he's at his best. I think uh, Kara asked you a question that I think was kind of telling. She said, is Lacan <laughs> a good reader? And, and you're like, yes. well, not really. And I think, that's, I think that's true. I think that he's not, like the reading of Joyce in Seminar 23, does it really bring a lot to, I mean, it, it I think fleshes out the concept of the Santom well, but does it bring that's a lot good, to That's good, but reading? the reading... The reading, the reading of is, Joyce, yeah, yeah, it's not really. There's nothing. You're not going to learn about Ulysses or Finnegan's Awake by, by reading Lacan. And I think the same thing. I think Freud is different, even though he has one paragraph. I think you could read that paragraph and go, "Wait a minute, I really understand something about the play that I didn't understand before." So Lacan yeah. devotes seven lessons, seven yes, seminar sessions, mm-hmm. to Hamlet. And I don't think you would say the same thing. For one thing, he gets a takes a long time getting to his. Point and his point is basically this: that what bothers Lacan isn't his own desire, but you actually it it's the. Sorry, <laughs> what bothers Hamlet isn't his own desire, uh-huh. but the desire of the other or the desire of the mother. Right, like he doesn't, mm-hmm. and that's why his father says, "Look, st- don't I don't care about your mother. Leave her to heaven." Mm-hmm. End up being a very good film. Uh, <laughs> By the way, you, we could do a whole show on all the great films that were made from just lines in Hamlet, right? Like oh, yeah. There's a lot. I was I meant to say this earlier. Um, you will get bonus points from me if you can work in naturally in a sentence anything from this, any line from this play. So okay. just okay. keep that in I will keep that in mind as in, in yeah. the back of my head, yes. Okay, so, so uh, I wanted to say something like, I'll catch the conscience of the king right now, but I don't know that I can, <laughs> no, that's not, I don't know that, that I could get it. No, I know that doesn't work like that. You'll figure okay, it out before so, you shuffle off your mortal coil. Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. Uh, but so the point is, so, so Lacan switches it around so mm-hmm. that it's not the problem of Hamlet's desire, but the problem of Gertrude's desire or the desire of the other. Mm-hmm. And Hamlet can't, He's he's bothered by that desire and he can't figure out that desire. And he wants her to right. that's why he he gives her this Pascalian instruction. Like you can practice like Pascal famously says, bow on if you don't believe, get on your knees, bow, bow down on your knees and pray, and you'll faith will come to you. Hamlet mm-hmm, mm-hmm. basically says the same thing to Gertrude. He's like, if you can't restrain yourself, just practice one night and sooner or later you'll no longer feel love for him. Mm-hmm. So, okay. But 
and that's and, and that's that's Lacan's take that that, that yeah. Hamlet is is a, and he he interestingly there's a whole debate like is Hamlet obsessive or is he hysterical, and Lacan doesn't answer that question. He says, well, yeah, he's both really. So he's mm. a, but his point is he takes a neurotic approach to the other's desire, right? He obsesses about it. He's hysterical about it, but -hmm. it's always this desire of the mother. And that's what is an inhibition for him is that he cannot act because he's confronted with this desire of the other that he doesn't know what to do with. Yeah. I think it's, it's really interesting, especially on the, on the Lacan being a good reader. He's also, uh, I think open for criticism for, for planning, because I think we talked about this before in the next seminar, uh, right. which is f- f- the ethics of psychoanalysis, which, you know, we've over the years dedicated like three ep- episodes to on just different aspects of it. Cause right. there's so much to it, but the reading of Antigone, which conveniently he ignores that she thinks she's following openly thinks she's following the unwritten, uh, law of the gods and perhaps not necessarily like her own, uh, desire. Um, but Hamlet would be, a better example for what he says about Das Ding. And I would even argue uh, he's pretty, like you can see, I think this is a fascinating thing about reading seminar six, especially like all these years later when it hasn't been available officially in English is that he's very close to uh, Abjaya. Like he's close. It's not, yeah. it's not quite th- like you can see why Das Ding comes up in the next seminar. And I just have, this is almost an anodyne line. This isn't that necessarily that famous, but he has this thing that we're going to get to Ophelia a little bit later, but uh, so this is 310 in the polity edition of six. Uh, In this mapping, Ophelia is situated at the level of the letter A, small a. This letter is inscribed in our symbolization of fantasy, fantasy being the imaginary prop or substrate of desire insofar as desire is a, is different from demand and also from need. The A corresponds to something which all of psychoanalysis is currently heading when it seeks to define the object and object relations. And you can kind of tell how that A will become das Ding in the next... Right, but here it's still imaginary other. I think yes, a lot yes, of people misread this seminar and misread his take on Hamlet. He never talks about the objet a no. with Hamlet. He just doesn't, right? The, you yeah. cannot... You're, you're extrapolating something from later and moving it forward. So I yeah. think that that's really, really crucial, right? Like yeah. You can't, so it's interesting. Yeah. Like, I think, like, don't you think that, like, like if you, if, if he talked about Antigone here and we were talking about her dead brother uh, in, in the place of, of this, uh, yeah. you know, in the place of Ophelia like that, I think, like, I think that works. I almost think it works a little bit better with his idea. Works better. And then, right. And, and it, the problem is, don't you think the problem is to talk about ethics with Antigone is to like psychoanalytic ethics can only exist in modernity. So you're yes, using a pre-modern like a example. So it just, it absolutely cannot work. Whereas the structure of desire is eternal. It's, it's, it's tied to speaking subjectivity. So yeah. you can talk about Plato, Aristotle, Antigone, it doesn't matter. Yeah, that really, really helps because you because you don't want the. That's a that's a really, really nice point, Todd. I don't want to. I want to really underline that. Like the uh, the graph of desire, which uh, is too much to talk about in this episode. We're going to dedicate right. another one to that. But it does come up in the middle of these Hamlet. Lectures. Can I just say one thing? I'm going to interrupt you. This yeah, is please. the first episode that I've. I wish we were. I, I like. I'm, I'm glad we're not visual because who wants to see? <laughs> I mean, like, whatever. But um, I'm wearing a Graph of Desire t-shirt that someone ah. sent me as a present. So it is, I, 
wearing it especially for this episode. Cherry, right? Yeah, Cooper I think it was was it Coop, must have been Cooper I'm Cherry. Pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, it could Cooper, have been someone else. So I I don't know, but it's probably Cooper Cherry. Yeah, I think it was yeah. Cooper Cherry. So yeah, that's nice. Thanks to that's him. Awesome. So I, I'm wearing his shirt for this. <laughs> very very appropriate. So right hey, because this like, is the, also the seminar, interestingly, where Lacan gives the articulation of the graph of desire. Yeah, that's right. And I think you're right to say that you don't want the implicit. One would not want the implicit association that desire is suddenly a modern invention. It's, I, right. I think that point that you made right. about using, had the graph of desire been uh, associated with Antigone, then you have that really, really nice point about like, it, this is pre-modern. It's, it's eternal. Like, right. like, and I, I right. think that's a, it, that's a very, very, very nice point. So, um, so yeah, just to, to, to come back to, uh, to the thing, like the take that for Lacan, Hamlet is confronted by Gertrude's desire and that the, his problem is that like, there's, there's no, I mean, you tell me if you think this is this is right. There's no absence in her, right? And right, yeah, and 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 that but, is the that, that's what that's what's troublesome to right. Uh, so to, he's to too. Hamlet. There's also a way that he's anticipating anxiety seminar, right? Like he's over yeah. confronted with, although again, there's no theory of object A, so it's not he's mm-hmm. over confronted with the object. But what he's what he's confronted with is not like the object won't be absent for him, so his desire mm-hmm. cannot flourish. So yeah. it's interesting, like, and, and Lacan talks about it in terms of phallus, like he's confronted through Claudius that mm-hmm. this is what Gertrude desires and it's the phallus. And he's like, I don't think Lacan talks about it. Maybe he does, but that, that the well, Hamlet's famous line about this is the custom more honored in the breach than the observance. <laughs> and it's yeah, right, right. Claudius going around like drinking and, and having wild sex, right? Like that's, yes. Yes. like that's him confronted with the, what would you call it? Like the obviousness of the phallus, right? Like the mm-hmm. in-your-face quality of the phallus, insofar as Claudius bears it and Gertrude desires it. So I think, mm-hmm. like her desire for him isn't enough of a absence. I think that's the that's the problem that he's that's what that's what is paralyzing for him that he 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 can't find the coordinates of his desire because of that. It's interesting, like for to to think about how this reading perhaps anticipates the the uh the anxiety seminar and anxiety yeah. in that like the, the lack of lack right like yeah like gertrude yeah, yeah, yeah. Gertrude, yeah. gertrude as an as an object of of lack of lack for hamlet like it's just he cannot handle it like that would that i i, I do i think that lacan is is maybe on the uh uh on the I think he's right about to, that to, yeah, to, yeah, yeah to making that yeah I, well yeah, yeah i think that's true I, I i think that's that's right in the in the play and, that, and that's a good i think that's a good take it is a good um, although, take. And although I, we sort of, and then, we, maybe we made the coordinates like for Lacan, but it's, it's definitely there. Like, so I mean, he certainly gets yeah. credit for that. And then, and then, and then when does Hamlet start to desire again? It's when he, mm-hmm. it's when he jumps into Ophelia's grave, right? Like all of a sudden for him, right. the object is absent. And right. so he can start to desire again. Although like what, sh- I guess that shit that creates a, a field, it, it, all of a sudden absence is there. But but Gertrude doesn't mm-hmm. so much change. So it's interesting that mm-hmm. Lacan shifts the terrain from Gertrude to Ophelia in that way, because I'm not sure how that... He doesn't make any argument for why he shifts the... You know, other than that's just what happens in the play, right? Like, yeah, there's no, yeah. Like, there's no discussion. Yeah, I just think that's missing. So, you know, the connective tissue for that shift. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it does seem like it's it's by narrative necessity just narrative necessity right yeah you would you would have to say that so okay 
Freud's take that this play as a document of modern subjectivity yeah. shows yeah. how the Oedipal uh, desire is repressed in modernity ha- has yeah. to be for Lacan. I think we like the, 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 the confrontation of lack of lack uh, particularly, I mean, I don't know how, how So. Uh, all right, I think that's probably it. The the uh, the lack of lack in the mother figure produces yeah. uh, produces anxiety in in the in the, in the child. Uh, I mean, he doesn't put it that way, but it doesn't, doesn't allow him to, be, to have to the coordinates clear. for his desire, right? But but yeah, that's it. I think that's yeah. that that Hamlet has no is is struggling up against the the coordinates of of of, of his own desire because he can't seem to have access to it because his mother has all of it. Like, like it's a, right. it's kind of interesting. It's almost like, um, it's like a stock. It's almost like a, like he's believing in the stock market, but in terms of like, like a intersubjective, uh, d- desire, like if someone has all of it, then I can't have any of it. I think, right. you know, like, right. like, uh, cause that's, the th- that's the thing about the stock market. If someone makes money, it's because someone lost money. It's just homeostatic. That's, that's the, that's the way that it works. But right. the here it's, it's like, he's invested in the same thing. Like for him to have anything, the other has to be, lacking like he can't have anything or else like the 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 completeness especially in the in the in the mother figure is just abhorrent and oppressive and has to be right right real and it's it's not just completeness it's it's excessiveness right like this excessiveness Mm -hmm. of the phallus i think is i mean again lacan doesn't talk about that but i think it's really it seems to me very evident in the play that claudius parades his Mm -hmm. his phallic what, what would we call it today? Toxic masculinity, right? It's like, Bra- yeah, Bra- his- Bran is really good on that because he has the like those intercut. Like he does a great job of making it a film. I, I think like it's, it's I even too. though yeah, it's even brilliant. though there's a lot of long takes, which is a lot great of long because, takes. Yeah, because you're seeing actors actually do acting. You're not seeing yeah. like someone delivering yeah. a line for an, a second and a half, and then right. a cut to another person doing it. Like like they're really getting in like the rhythm of the you know, right. the rhythm of the prose and, and all that. And it's really, really, really nice to see. But when Hamlet is talking about like the horror of his mother's relationship with Claudius, like it is intercut with, you know, the two of them like going off to bed together. So like, like he, like quite literally, and he and Claudius in the shot is center and forward in the, in, in this like movement to the camera. So you almost see him more than you see Gertrude, like, like yeah. the foul, yeah. the phallus, like, again, formally speaking in the way that Brianna represents it is, uh, is over present. Uh, yeah. and, and, and that, I think that is a, gr- I think it's a gr- one, that's a great reading of the play. And I also think that that like, uh, is supportive of what, uh, Lacan is saying about the play here. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, isn't what Lacan, I think that's all, I think he's right. I don't think he's wrong about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't you think what he misses is the yes. radicality of the play? Like, I just think, there's no, you know, like we we started the episode talking about how this is probably the most famous work of literature in certainly in English, maybe in mm-hmm. the world. I don't know, and I think rightfully so, and for the reason that you suggested. Like I think it is true that it it is a marker of the turn to modernity, if not mm-hmm. a vehicle for that turn. Right, right. And right. I think Freud gets Freud his reading at least is suggestive of that. And I think Lacan, I'm not sure how, because I think the thing that Lacan identifies, the problem of the desire of the other, as you you were saying, it's a problem 
prior to modernity as well. Like that's not a yeah. problem. You know, it doesn't emerge with modernity. What does emerge, mm-hmm. I think, is precisely that it's interesting, right? So the way I describe the play happening, Hamlet gets this, uh, you know, command from his father, avenge mm-hmm. his foul and those unnatural murder. Uh, and then he doesn't do it, right? And, mm-hmm. and and I think, so. so I think it's really important to understand the genre in which Shakespeare was writing. So he's writing a revenge tragedy. So yes. he's writing it nine years after he wrote his first tragedy, mm-hmm. Titus Andronicus, which was a standard revenge tragedy. And and it's interesting. So in this, in Titus Andronicus, Tamora, one of her sons has been killed. I think some several of her sons have been killed. Uh, and she sends two of her other sons out to avenge his murder by killing Titus. And they end up, mm-hmm. they, the play ends, they kill him. Uh, and they, there's no like, I don't know, should we do it? Is she a messenger mm-hmm. from the devil? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> is she, is she manipulating us? Is she like, yeah. what's her, de- what's this, what's our mother's desire? None mm-hmm. of that. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just like, okay, we're on it. I'll do it. We're on the case. Yeah. We'll do it. And yep. so you could imagine why doesn't Hamlet say the same thing? It's not the mother, it's the father, this figure and the dead father, even this figure of total authority. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But what does he do? He like says, well, I don't know. Maybe this this apparition is from the devil. I'm going to I'm going to do a little investigating. Right. Mm-hmm. And he and then he has the play within the play and he 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 checks checks out. He's like, I think it's probably true. I suspected it, but mm-hmm. I can't be sure. And I think that and I think if you read it that way, then the delay and the questioning and the hesitation is the act. Right. Mm. Like to me, that's the only that seems like that way. The play isn't a failure and about the failure to act, but it's about can we change the way in which we understand what it means to act? And I think we think that today. Right. Like we think like the person who gets ordered by, I don't know, Donald Trump as president to go and like kill some people in, I don't know, uh, <laughs> Iran. I mean, let's say. Iran. Yeah, I was just gonna say. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, he did do that. Yeah, was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did do that. Like, yeah. we don't think that that person is exemplary of modern subjectivity. Instead, we think mm-hmm. the no. person that says, "I don't know, I, I shouldn't, I don't think I should do that." I'm going to question. I'm going to measure what you tell me to do, symbolic authority, up to my own personal values, and then I'll decide whether I'm going to do it or not. Right? Like all those mm-hmm. things are what constitutes modern subjectivity, and that's what Hamlet does. Yes. Yeah, okay. Now, this that's uh, that's your take on this, right? That is my take, yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah. okay. That, that he is, delay. that Hamlet doesn't delay, Hamlet mm. acts, or the delay is the act. That's nice. Nicely put, okay. So, would, um, okay, so I have some questions for you, okay? Because Good. Lacan, like, we're, go, we're, um, as we said, there's se- there's seven lectures in, in seminar six. We will eventually cover seminar six someday. So there's some material that we're not going to cover uh, by necessity in here. We're trying to distill it down to how Lacan, uh, how his reading inter- intersects with Freud. So Freud's is in a paragraph, so it is easier to summarize and boil down, right? Which is that like Hamlet represents this uh, repression of, uh, right. of Oedipal desire. Okay, sentence, right. period, over. Um, where for Lacan, Hamlet... Uh, represents it's 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 representative of uh how desire functions the coordinates of 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 desire and that's right. see it's already starting to get hard i can't get into the sentence the, the like how well uh, you could maybe say our desire is the desire of the other 
right? Like yeah, that, yeah. In a yeah. way, yeah. Yeah, and well, but see, and that's complicated though because it's it's complicated, the, right? Because the 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 other the other's desire, as in Gertrude's desire, is that which complicates things for Hamlet. So it's almost like he doesn't he cannot have access to desire because she has too much of it, which was kind of the, the point I was trying to make. Yeah. Uh, like yeah, five you, or I, six minutes ago. No, I loved that point. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that, so maybe I'll put it that way that like desire is a desire of the other and, uh, the excessiveness of the, the desire uh, of the other can cause, uh, uh, anxiety in the subject. I think that maybe that's, it's a sure. compound sentence that works yeah. for yeah. Lacan. Um, and so your take is that, and I, I think that it's kind of interesting how it, 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 uh, I think triangulates with the other two. Yeah. Is that the if if this is if we take Freud's point seriously that like this is a this is a repressed Oedipus, of course the delay is the act, right? Like like it's in like like what like what what does the play do radically? Is that it 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 doesn't it isn't just repressed. It kind of it turns the repression into action, and right. then the, what is the only like like Hamlet is left to have? How did how can he act? Uh, with the 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 over presence, the over proximity of the mother's desire, it it has to be done through this delay. Like like right. what do, what would what would you say to that? Do you think that that you? No, I think you, it's absolutely re- right. It's okay. absolutely right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That is interesting. I like that. And time. then his that time yeah. Again. So that yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And I think it's interesting that his, you know, so so in that way this is a, both a radical play and Hamlet's engaged in a radical project, right? Like mm-hmm. it's not just mm-hmm. this like, Oh, in, it's not even just an individual project. It's a whole, right. it's a radical political project, the radical political project of modernity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think what's interesting to me is that it, Hamlet also shows how that goes awry, right? Like mm-hmm. the, that, and, and what exactly it goes awry on, I think mm-hmm. is really instructive that, that he cannot like he's in the at the same time that he calls into question the authority of the traditional father figure. Mm-hmm. He has to, he like, it's, it's, I don't know how I, what I would say about that. It seems like in the same act, mm-hmm. he, he, he raises all, uh, forms of mediation, right. Or, or, mm-hmm. or, or, raises the trust that one could have in all forms of mediation because they're all linked back to the father and his manipulation. Right. So he, 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 the, all of a sudden for, he's very suspicious mm-hmm. of any kind of mediating structure instead or any kind of semblance we might say. Right. And, and yes. I think that, I mean, it's it, it, from the beginning of the play, that's his, that's one of his overriding concerns, I think. So that's, it, I don't know. That okay. seems like an important thing. Yeah. This is it. No. So this is interesting. I, and I think this, this is going to, I think this is where we're going to, we're going to, we're going to turn, uh, we're going to turn the screw a little bit on the analysis here. And I think this is, this is very interesting because, uh, Lacan writes that, uh, like Ophelia is a, is a trap or, or, or bait. And I think my take on this is that, uh, authenticity is a trap and bait in this play. And, uh, I, from the, from the very beginning, as you're saying, like, it's very, very important. Like this, this, it's like the first lines that, that Hamlet speaks to his mother. I don't have them in front of me. You, you maybe know them a little bit better. I than do I have them. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. have them. Okay. So yeah. t- t- give me the lines about seams. 
Yeah. So, so, uh, so uh, Ophelia, sorry, Ophelia. Nicely <laughs> that was done. Funny. Nicely so, done. So, <laughs> the, <laughs> so the queen says to uh, to Hamlet, she says she's talking about. So his Hamlet's first line is uh, uh, Claudius is giving his little toast or whatever, and then and mm-hmm. then. He says, my cousin Hamlet, my son, and my son. And then Hamlet says, a little more than kin and less than kind, right? So mm-hmm. he's, mm-hmm. which suggests the Freudian reading, actually. Yes, it really does. More yeah. than kin, right, right, yeah. right. And then um, Gertrude gives this whole thing about how it's common to lose a father. Your grandfa- yeah. Your father lost a father before him. And then she says... Why seems it so particular with thee? And then he goes off on this, right? Oh, like yeah. he's he he has this. He, he's like seems, madam! Exclamation point! Right? Nay, it is. Mm-hmm. I know not seems. And then he gives a kind of. I'll read it. So I think this is kind of an interesting. He says, mm-hmm. "Tis not alone my inky cloak, good mother, nor customary suits of solemn black, nor windy suspiration of forced breath, no, nor the fruitful river in the eye, nor the dejected." Haver of the visage, together with all the forms, moods, shapes of grief that can denote me truly. These indeed seem, for they are actions that a man might play, but I have that within which passes show, these but the trappings and the suits of woe. So mm-hmm. the contrast between what Gertrude is representing or talking about, the the mm-hmm. the, the trappings of the trappings and the suits of woe, and he has that within which passes show. So I think that's, you know, his, his, it is, it, I know not seems right. Like that, yes. I think that contrast, again, this is set up in the first 20 lines that Hamlet, the first, mm. yeah, within the first 10 lines that Hamlet speaks. So that contrast, I think will define him throughout the play. And I, my sense is that that contrast is integral to the, the modernist project that he's embarking on. Yes. And it's, but it's really interesting how immediately he betrays it. And I think that's that's a thing that I find pretty fascinating with this. And and I'm going to bring this back to, like, I think uh, Lacan is on to the, like, how the ghost exists in the, like, the symbolic position of the father, the name of the yeah. father. But it's, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, yeah. We're, we're, which I think is good. I think that again to turn the screw on that a little bit it's actually it's the voice of the father which is i think something that is a, is, is going to be a concern for us but so yes okay hamlet has a de- demonstrable uh, like throughout the uh the play he has this this problem with seems with seeming and he had right. this preference for is he wants to get to the to the real truth uh the the line that he says to ophelia god gave you one face yet you were another right like you were another the, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so so it's uh, one of my least favorite lines of the play i mean i think it's, it's a great line but it's one of the it's one of the times i really don't like hamlet the most yeah right? well right which we'll come on to the so but the the thing here right so he says this i think it's importantly he says this to gertrude his mother a woman no 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 not seems is and then he says that that sexist thing to uh, Ophelia. And then his friends come to him and say, we've seen something. It looks like your dad. And it's like, it, and, and it's, it's, I don't know how many times I didn't write it down, but I don't know how many times Horatio says, like, like your father, like he doesn't say is, he doesn't, it, he says seems. So Hamlet, hears this thing. There's a ghost. It seems like your father immediately. He's like, it's gotta be him. Like, so right, sudden, right. suddenly this, Suddenly, this preference for is 
It's gone. Absolutely. So gone. then your point is that he that's how he betrays. So it's a very selective kind of uh, 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 authenticity, right? Like a, yes. a, a selective uh, critique of semblance. When it's his father, he's more. Although it's interesting because he is challenging challenging the father. But you're, he he's still too still has too much faith in him. I think that's your point. Yeah, I think. Well, yeah. Be, well, because it's it's the it's the the two things, and I think this is where this is where the misogyny comes in, uh, because he he listens to his father and questions his father, and I think to uh, soothe or balm the, the the that he isn't just like the uh, the kids in Titus Andronicus, that he doesn't just immediately listen and go do the thing. Uh, he has to have the misogynistic thing to come in to, like he's performing a more mundane violence against women to make up for the fact that he doesn't just immediately listen to the voice of his father. That's, yeah. that's, that's yeah. what, that's what I think is, uh, is, is going on here. And I think that it, it is a, um, I think it's a, I think it's a problem for readings of the play that for talking about Hamlet as this modern uh, uh, for the modern subjectivity to not deal with the, like the right. necessity in his actions of uh, like of misogyny, like they are just right. Well, they are, they are there. And I, but I think that I, I maybe this is giving Shakespeare too much credit. I don't think he's supportive of that. I, no, I, no, I, I no. Think, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. 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 I, I think, think absolutely I think re- the play is critical of him. Yes. On those, and, I think you're right. I think that there are certain readings of the play that aren't, and I think there are certain readers of the play that are just like adhere to Hamlet totally. I, well, mm-hmm. more or less, I think that we should, but I do think your point is really correct. And I, my sense is that there's a kind of uh, psychosis of modern subjectivity mm. that gets demonstrated in the yeah. figure of Hamlet, right? Like I think he thinks to to question at all is to then lose the fiction right like he he yeah. he can't yeah. accept the and i think this is you know i don't know it's hard to talk about this in terms of modernity and non-modernity but i think there is a sense in which modernity is suspicious of all fictions right and yet mm. it's the yeah. fiction that creates the social terrain and i think that he doesn't see that and i think he you know his his critique of the fictionality or his response to the father's command mm-hmm. is is on the one hand an emancipatory project, but on the other hand, he doesn't link that program that the or the problem is that that program of emancipation also implies this project of authenticity, as which you described, which is maybe mm-hmm. always a problem, right? It's always there's always this because. If you're going to be authentic, you need someone else who's not authentic, right? Yeah. Like you need, right, 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 you right. need someone else to represent inauthenticity. Mm-hmm. And for Hamlet, it's women, right? It's like yeah. women are, it's like you, God gave you one, God, God gave you mm-hmm. one face and you, you make yourselves another. I mean, I think that that's really, that seems to me to be really a crucial, you know, uh, I think a lot of people read this as a response to Ophelia's betrayal. Mm-hmm. But I think that that's like what, like he doesn't just say you betrayed me, he 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 says something. He says he engages in a whole critique of women, right? Like that, yeah, right, right. That right, seems right. like a different thing, right? Like one woman, okay, okay. If she betrayed you, which I mm-hmm. guess you can say, her allowing the king mm-hmm. and her father to manipulate her into giving Hamlet's letters back. 
Like that's mm. a, I guess that's a betrayal. Even that, I'm not sure that it is. Yeah, um, I, a small b at best. <laughs> small b, right? Like it's yeah. really, I mean, the, to have to make a lot. I mean, Hamlet makes a lot out of that, and he's mm-hmm. before that he's been kind of cold to her. So mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. like there's a whole problem with that reading. But uh, anyway, so I think that 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 move it seems like that that you know that suspicion of 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 fiction or makeup or mm-hmm. all that like that seems to me to be part and parcel of his modern project. And I think that the responses to the play, like like common responses, like. I think people take Hamlet's position, even even like everything that Polonius says that is super famous. Uh, the he doesn't say the clothes make the man. He says off the apparel make 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 the man. But that's yeah. people take that from this. Uh, neither a lender nor a borrower be like people right. ta- like that's like that's taken as like common good wisdom. You are supposed to question that he is not to be like the Branna. Is really Polonius really nice. is not to be trusted. <laughs> Polonius is not to be trusted. In the brand, it's really nice. Polonius says all those things, and his son believes him, and then immediately he's pushing Ophelia around and and right. and telling her like you have to you have to make. He's a social climber. You have to make this uh, this relationship with uh, with Hamlet. Like you have, you got to lock this down to, so we can we can rise up uh, socially and like so so. Brianna does a really nice thing where he doesn't because I've seen this in some productions where both kids don't take him seriously. And I think right, they don't take what, him seriously at all. Right. They at just all. look at their they wink behind his back. And yeah. Yeah. But, but here but, both it, of them take him totally seriously. And it and it, and it gives the and it allows the viewer to be like, I don't know about that guy. So like so. Right. So so it, it gives you that nice, nice little thing. But I think to the way that 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 those things that Polonius says is taken as like good, like good wisdom. It's the same thing as this, like I I need this direct line to authenticity to this, like immediacy of the thing being authentic and this aversion to, to mediation, which again, the brand aversion gives the, the space for, for mediation and doesn't have the characters tell you exactly what to, how you should be hearing the, the, those lines from Polonius, but it like, it, again, it allows it to uh, to emerge, and you get to have this like dialectical relation with with the image on screen. And I I think again, Hamlet wanting this direct access to the authentic thing, which of course requires uh, inauthenticity. And but it's it's always it's the 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 inauthentic woman becomes that 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 object I, and again, coupled with how people just think those things that Polonius said and like other things or like, or like good pieces of advice. I think yeah, there is I, some, when there, I, I hear people say those all the time. All it's the just time. funny. Like neither the famous, the most famous is probably neither a lender nor a borrower be, but right. All of them are famous and they're, and they're all like completely said through dramatic irony, right? Like clearly yeah. Shakespeare is not like, you can't like if someone, put that in a quotation and said, William Shakespeare. Well, okay. He did write that. Yes. But, <laughs> but it's not his idea, right? Like it's, no. it's like, I, you know, like this, you know, this line from Hegel's uh, philosophy of history, people quote all the time, like no one has ever learned anything from history, the history of the yes. world. And, yes. and, and everyone quotes that as if Hegel's lamenting it. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then the very next line is, and they're right not to, because there's no lessons to be learned from history. So yeah. it's like, to me, it's just exactly like this, right? Like if you quoted that, 
Mm-hmm. You just you should never quote it. You shouldn't be allowed to quote it because <laughs> unless you're saying it in a negative way, because that's how Shakespeare Shakespeare means it. I think like he's yeah. We have to be totally suspicious of of that of that kind of commonsensical wisdom. I also think that's a really modern aspect of the play, right? Like, yeah. If this was an ancient play, I think we'd get like commonsensical wisdom galore. But in mm. this in in the modern play, you get it, but only to be called into question, right? Yeah. I think, I think yeah. that's pretty great. Yeah, I think so too. And I think that it, it, it is, uh, it's, it's, I, I just think it's interesting. Like uh, we're, we're um, eventually we're going to, we're uh, maybe the next episode, I think we're planning to do um, seminar three, which is Lacan's seminar on, uh, on psychosis. And I happen to think, I think you and I both think about, think this, that like um, psychosis is a, major part like the way that he talks about psychosis psycho psychosis and psychoanalysis is a core part of contemporary subjectivity which Absolutely. is this yeah which is this uh this alt this this absolute paranoia and a foreclosure of the master signifier and and this like this taking this taking literally like you have to take like uh the th- this impossibility of I would almost say like you, you going so far with, uh, with irony that irony is not possible anymore. So the thing, so right. the, the image has to be exactly the thing that it, that it, that it represents. So like, right. so we're going to reach the time, Ryan, I think where Spike Lee's film bamboozled will be banned for its racism. That's very interesting. You know what I mean? That's, like, like yeah, because yeah. the distance between what a thing is saying and what it represents Disa- mm-hmm. And that's psychosis, I think, that yeah. disappears, right? Like yes. that, that very distinction disappears. So, so you couldn't make a, say, a, a film critical of Donald Trump if you mm-hmm. represented a Trump figure within the film, right? Like, you, right. because then you would be endorsing the very ideas that you thought you were critiquing. So I think that's mm-hmm. really important. And don't you think it's interesting too how Hamlet himself falls into this trap yes. with with the players, right? Like, so mm-hmm. he, 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 he comes up with his own, uh, his own, he insert, he, so he's really happy when the players come, right? Like he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's like, he's giddy. He just can't, mm-hmm. he's so happy. Uh, and, 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 and then he's, he, uh, he adds a little bit into the, into the play. Right. And so mm-hmm. he, he, uh, this is the play within the play. Uh, just the play clear, within but... the play, right? So, so he call, so it's the murder of Gonzago, mm-hmm. and he because he's altered it. He calls his when the king asks him, he calls it the the mousetrap, right? And mm-hmm. so, what's interesting to me is he inserts this whole. So, first of all, he says about the players they are the abstract and brief chronicles of the time, right? Like he, so, he really seems to have a lot invested in dramatic fiction. Right, mm-hmm. seemingly right. So there, that seems to belie the earlier point we were making that he doesn't accept the symbolic fiction. Right, like why mm-hmm. this investment in the play? Okay, all right. So that's I agree. That seems to be a problem, but but he inserts lines in the murder of Gonzago to make it his own. And I have to think that this is a line that he added. This is the player queen says, "A second time I kill my husband dead. When second husband, I kiss kisses me in bed." Like, that, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. like, okay. And then Gertrude, in response, says the very famous line, right? The the lady but doth protest too much, methinks, right? Like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, like the Hamlet's 
Hamlet's use of theater is like exactly what you're just talking about. It's like a psychotic use of theater. It's way too obvious. And then even though it's totally obvious, he, he can't let the theater play the, the play play out. He like, no. he, you know, he gets up on stage and he basically t- explains what it's tra- what he's trying to say in the play. So it's like, it's crazy. Like he can't crazy. I mean, literally it's literally crazy. Like he can't, he can't, uh, just let the symbolic fiction do its job. Instead, mm-hmm. first he puts in these very literal things about Gertrude and and Claudius, and then he can't even leave it at that. He has to jump in and just explain directly. And then, uh, isn't it Claudius who says you're better than a chorus, or maybe <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, uh, another like two things here that are, are I think very important. One, just to go back to the point about why it is an absolute shame that. Uh, look, Khan doesn't talk about Hamlet in Seminar 7. If you were not swayed by the earlier arguments, um, he missed a massive opportunity to say, uh, the play is dusting. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The play yeah, is the yeah, thing. Yeah. The play is dusting. I mean, come on. It's dusting. Look, yeah. Look, look Khan, this, this, he, come on. Come on, bud. <laughs> do, do it for the wordplay only. But the yeah. uh, more, more significantly, um, for... Uh, some of the psychoanalytic arguments is that the, the play within the play, uh, it shows the power of the voice, the, the, because, uh, we were talking about this before the dumb show that gets put on before, meaning there's no, no spoken dialogue. It's just a pantomime. Uh, the Claudius doesn't react to it. He doesn't react to the pantomime of, uh, the brother killing the King. And this really, really upsets Hamlet. Hamlet. Yeah. And uh, so then when the other play is put on with spoken dialogue and Hamlet has to nail down the point <laughs> and this makes Claudius uncomfortable. And so there's two readings here, which is, I think, really great, is that one is that yeah. like, aha, yes, Hamlet has caught Claudius. But the other one is, is Claudius finally figured out because of the voice that this play is a threat to me because it's about a nephew killing an uncle because of the suspicion that the uncle killed the the nephew's father. Like right, that. Right. And, and so. If I mean, it's like a threat to Claudius. Yes. It's not like he's like, did you mark him Horatio? Well, of course he is upset. Like, like yeah. it's an, I mean, I obviously he did kill Hamlet's father. Yes. So there's yes. not a question of his guilt, no, but, no. uh, but that play, it's not a play about a, a, a brother killing his brother. It's a play about a nephew killing his uncle, the king. So how is that not just a direct threat to Claudius? And it's interesting. So there's there's things about why he doesn't react to the dumb show. Branagh basically shows that he's just not paying attention. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, but the question is why you need... It's a decent, it's a decent answer, but I think it it avoids the, like, again, I love it, love it, love it. But it it does, um, it does avoid the, the, um, the potential, like, discomfort in, like, the really nice theoretical thing, which is that, like, the the voice, it's actually the voice that makes it a, in the same way that the voice makes it a command, the voice makes it a threat. A threat. Right. I, th- I love that idea. And I think it's, I, I mean, that's your idea. I think that's really true. And I also think there is this other idea. Uh, my friend, Andrew Barnaby, who's a Shakespeare scholar, uh, put me onto this. I think it's his, I don't know if it's his idea, but his, uh, if it, I mean, it definitely is his idea. I don't know if it's original to him, uh, that, that the, that the, that the reason why, Claudius doesn't react to the dumb show is that he didn't really pour a poison in the ear of, of Hamlet senior. So 
actually the dumb show just he looks at it and he's like well I didn't do that so that he so <laughs> which which would be interesting because it would suggest that that Hamlet senior actually lied to Hamlet or didn't know or didn't know how he was killed or you know so that's or, a, there's something or, 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 interesting or the, in that or I like or how about this the ghost like the ghost is not Hamlet senior but also tells him correct information but also lies like at, at, at the, it's, right. it's 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 both things it's right. like uh, uh i like that you know like there there's this i don't know how good uh, 10 cloverfield lane is as, as a film throughout but i i, I kind of like it and one of the things i like about it is this um uh john goodman it, uh, kidnaps uh mary elizabeth weinstead's character and another another person and he's like keeping them underground and he says that like like aliens have taken over the 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 world and like, I'm keeping you safe and all this stuff in it. And the film makes you ask this question, like, is he telling the truth or is he just a crazy guy who kidnapped two people? And it turns out both are true. He's a crazy guy (laughs) who just kidnapped two people and also the world like was, and and I, and I just, I like that. I like that a lot. Like, so, so I, so I, I would like the idea that, that, um, like with Andrew's reading that the ghost does lie like to, to, uh, to, to Hamlet, um, but is the lie is bundled in this also this truth telling and truth, yeah. th- and that also intersects with his stated uh, uh, need for authenticity, but also his inability to evince that. So right and I, his I, I right and right and also to anybody that's commanding obedience, this would also fit into that. Although it's not thematized by the play, I don't think. Anyone that's commanding obedience always includes something that's a lie in order to ensure the obedience of the people, right? Like, yeah, yeah. like that's how you know, that's part of the way you get people to obey you, is you mm-hmm. get them to accept a lie. I mean, again, Donald Trump would be the the, the no plus yeah. ultra of this position, right? Like, he, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. You, you get the most fanatical devotion when you force mm-hmm. people to accept a lie. So I think that's really, I think mm-hmm. that's a great point by you. I think it's really good. And I, I think that, you know, the... But again, the point here is that Hamlet, even at the point he seems to rely on a fiction, can't mm-hmm. do so. He can't he can't just let the fiction play out and instead has to give tell truth directly rather than mm-hmm. learn allowing it to appear through a fiction. See the, and this is this is why that I, I think that um if that it's it's really important to look at okay, historically, like what's happening is uh, when Shakespeare writes the play is like this. um, I mean, there is, there's a queen. This is the, this is Elizabeth one. She's the first one. Right. There's this, this anxiety about like, about woman's desire about, you know, a a woman being like sexual, but also for political purposes, not uh, uh, seeming to be sexual. Right. Seeming. Right. You know, and, and I think that it's, it's, if we're if we're really looking at this as a as as a radical player like as as radical as possible then it's positioning of like modern subjectivity of of moving like like a co uh on like the the co path of of misogyny is like is an important thing to be cri- like critical of and to and to take stock of like you like what you're just saying about like you get the most fidelity if if it includes uh, a lie like again the very same people this is and this is a very american comment but the very same people who are going to tell you that outlawing abortion will stop abortions will tell you that there's nothing you can do about gun violence in this country because there's just too many guns out there so if you outlaw guns it's not gonna it just means that the bad people with the guns are gonna shoot people still that's just 
So that doesn't make any sense. How is it right. that how is it you prohibit the one thing that's gonna stop the thing forever, but right. you can't prohibit the other thing? It's and and it's like again, I, I think um one of my frustrations with the uh the the supposedly liberal media is that I, I think they think at some point all the hypocrisies of the uh mainstream right it will crush them. Like they'll stack right. up to be so much yeah. Yeah. that they'll it, they'll be crushed somehow by the weight of the hypocrisy that will never happen because that is nece- it, it's necessary to how the whole right. thing functions and i well, think right. that's what's yeah. that, and that to me is what was really interesting in here and what i i think is not in a lot of the literature on hamlet is that like why like why is the misogyny necessary for the the modern subjectivity and can like how do we move out of that and i think the play does tell you how you move out of it is that like you have to you have to see that authenticity is a trap and if you don't right. see that and authenticity think, is right. a trap then then you will be locked in this it, you'll be locked in this in this thing where uh where the authentic depends on the inauthentic and that's going to come like who is going to suffer the most from the inauthentic it's going to be it's going to be women it's going to be any any or you know it's going to be the other uh uh um, mostly i i and i think that the i don't i don't think it does too much of a favor to say that the play is thematizing and dramatizing that at the throughout. yeah i think that's right i think that's absolutely right and i i wonder what you think of there there is a turn that he makes right in act 4 scene 4 when he sees mm-hmm. he's being shipped off to england and he sees Fortinbras, right? And, and, yeah. and the, the guy's like, we're going to, to fight for a piece of land that's not worth, I wouldn't pay five ducats to farm it, right? Like, and, and, yeah. And, it, and Hamlet's pretty impressed by this. And then he goes, he goes mm-hmm. this, this, is a, this is a nice, I think it's a four soliloquy. It's pretty, it's, it's, and, and Branagh films it against a, it's clearly against a blue screen, probably because mm. of budgetary constraints. But it, 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 I, I think it works okay. And, and because it, because he's he 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 tracks back the camera, and so mm-hmm. you start to see like the 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 soliloquy begins with Hamlet very prominent in the against this background of the tr- Fort and Bras's I don't know thousands and thousands of troops, and mm-hmm. then as the camera tracks back, Hamlet gets lost in the background, and I think that that symbolically suggests what he's up to this point refused to do, right? Like he's mm-hmm. held on to his own particularity. Yeah, and nice, and and then he he is willing to give it up here, and then but he he really says something interesting. He says, "This is uh, again Act Four, Scene Four. He says, rightly to be great is not to stir without great argument, but greatly to find quarrel in a straw when honor's at stake." Okay, whatever. I don't like that. Then he goes, "Oh, from this time forth, my thoughts be bloody or be nothing worth." And then that scene ends, and I feel like that. Idea, like he's getting from Fordenbras, like Fordenbras is obviously not a positive character because he's a, mm-hmm. he's like a milit, he's like imperialist, but yeah. he's getting from him the notion of sublimation, I think, and that's mm, what's nice. And thus, this emphasis on the fiction and the like, you whatever value a piece of land has, it's a value we've given it, right? Or I subjectivity mm. gives to it, and I think prior to this point, Hamlet's been. Uh, driven to find out what's real outside of what we do. And I think here he, he sees the way in which, okay, it's my act of sub of sublimating the act of sublimation that really creates the value that I find. So I think to me, this is a real, obviously it's an important turning point in the play. And then he comes back. Remember he's so Rosencrantz and Gildenstern, his two 
longtime friends dead, have Todd. betrayed. I don't. I don't know what you're. I, don't <laughs> <know>. <laughs> I did know that. And do you know that in the Brainaw uh, version, Big X is the one who says Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Do you I know like what that's that. an allusion to? No, I don't think so. Great Escape. Have you ever seen it? I ha- yeah. Oh, the John yeah, of course. Sturgis. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, of course. We're right? talking like, about this the other day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Big, oh, X. Big X. That's who gives yes. the. That's it. That's. I think it's maybe his last film, uh, performance. Anyway, so oh, he nice. he he gives the. He's like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern dead at the end, at the very end of the play, mm-hmm. uh, just like your king commanded. And they're like, well, though, Claudius <laughs> didn't command that at all. But what he does is he he reads the note that Gild, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern were sending with him to England that says, "Oh, can you do me a favor and kill Hamlet when you." When he arrives, mm, and he changes mm-hmm. to say, "Kill these two dudes," and then he he so he he uses a fiction to get himself out of the situation, right? So that's pretty. It's interesting. Like he 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 learns the lesson of Fortinbras, and he changes the way in which he relates to fiction and truth, and understands that you can't get truth directly, but you have to use fictional devices like this he uses an old signet that his father mm-hmm, had given mm-hmm. it you know like to to forge the letter and and so he's he's become he becomes someone else or loses this attachment to the unmediated unvarnished real or true so todd one of the things that's really interesting what you're just saying is you kept mentioning sublimation yeah. and uh which is a huge part of the next seminar, seminar seven, which we kind of keep coming back to this is the Hamlet being a really nice example of all the things that Lacan talks about in the next seminar, but he's <laughs> right. doing it here. So, right. where, and I would, I would almost in, in a, in an allied way, if there's a flipping, what he writes about is the ethics of desire in that seminar, where I, well, I think what you're saying about Hamlet and this sort of this, this way out of, uh, of, of a, fanatical uh, approach to, to authenticity is to see sublimation. So are you, Tom McGowan, are you promote, are you proposing an ethics of sublimation rather than an ethics yes. of desire? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that Lacan should have done it. I don't even know like what I always wonder, like what is all that Das Ding stuff doing in there? Mm-hmm. If that's not the end point, because when he, I mean, we've talked about this before, but when he goes to talk about the ethics of desire, he never brings back Das Ding. He mm-hmm. never brings back sublimation. So mm-hmm. he kind of misses the opportunity. And then he doesn't, I think he he put himself in a little bit of a box, don't you think? Like he, mm-hmm. because he defined sublimation so, I don't know, what would you call it? Like so memorably as mm-hmm. what raises an ordinary object to the status of Das Ding. Mm-hmm. Once Das Ding basically drops out of his thinking, he can't go back yeah. and talk about sublimation. So I That's think pretty good. I th- yeah. I think he felt that. Like I think he couldn't because it's to me like I th- and I also think this is the answer to this problem that I see arising. Like why doesn't seminar sixteen, which is from another to the other. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't that develop this critique of capitalism that like he that's where he develops he says we should not talk about surplus value but instead surplus enjoyment. Mm-hmm. But then he doesn't develop that. Then that just kind of dies on the wilts on the vine. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to develop the four discourses. Mm-hmm. And I think like w- he could have theorized surplus enjoyment in terms of sublimation. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. but he didn't do it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. So that's that's. I think you're right. Like I think that, that that I think there is an idea of an ethics of sublimation. I think Hamlet embodies it, especially at the end of the play, uh, after he's you know been caught up in this problem that this seeking after the real direct mm. real right like that's the problem that inhabits him in the beginning of the play and then he gets beyond it i think at the end so i think there is a trajectory uh to the play as well and and then at the you know at the end he he is able to i mean again the the act is the whole process of the play but it, i think mm-hmm. he does change that i mean the at the end he's able to actually realize that questioning in a way that he's not able to do in the beginning. Yeah. No, I, I know. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, I, I think, I think it's a really, really nice point that, uh, when that he lose that Lacan loses, uh, sublimation at the same time that like it would very, very much, uh, be helpful in a discussion of a surplus uh, jouissance. And I think that for Hamlet, I I almost think Hamlet, uh, if, if what he's, I don't know, would you, would you say like, like it's the, it's the surplus jouissance of Gertrude that he's having the, yeah, the the issue with. So like, and Ophelia, right? Like, and Ophelia. Yeah. So, so he, so he's like, he forecloses, he has to foreclose uh, sublimation to, right main to maintain consistency uh in his task that is like uh, and he can and it's interesting when he comes back ophelia's dead mm-hmm. but he's able to be indifferent to gertrude like there's right, none right. of this obsessing about gertrude's desire at the end he's freed of it so it, it's fascinating right like so from from that scene i read act four scene four till the end of the play mm-hmm. there's no not one single line is about Gertrude and her desire. That's right. Very so interesting. that <laughs> that seems really important to me. And then you know that I, I I do want to mention a couple of other readings of the play that we've both you know find appealing in a certain way. So my mm-hmm. my what do you, my close friend and my my uh, mentor Walter Mac Davis has a really power like Hamlet is a, is a, what would you call him like the the driving force in his whole philosophical approach right like so hamlet is really everything to him Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he first of all he attacks every bit of critical commentary ever written on the play that's that's not Uh, a that's not an exaggeration listeners it's not an exaggeration every single one every single one so yeah Yeah. so it's not like oh they're mostly bad and some no no everyone is bad every single one and 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 he takes i mean for him hamlet hamlet's existential questioning Mm-hmm. is uh, the project that he wants to endorse, I think, right? Wouldn't you say that's yeah. fair? I would say that's fair. Yeah. And I want to ask you a question, see how well you know me. This essay, okay. which is collected in a volume called uh, Shakespeare After 9-11 uh, that we're referencing, um, there, there is a, I have a favorite thing about this essay. I want to see how well, do you know what my favorite thing, my favorite line is in the essay? Your favorite line? No, you yeah. got to tell me. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Okay, so when he, so the, I just think this is uh, this is great, and and uh, okay, what what uh, Mac talks about is th- this question of like why doesn't Hamlet kill Claudius right right when he can? Why does he why yeah. does he delay? Right, the big big question about the big about question, the play. right? And his this is what he writes: 
what is one thing you can't do to someone once you've killed them? You can't kill them. You can't this, kill them. Yeah. And then this is the great line. This is my favorite thing. You'll, you'll realize why. This is a truth that all cats know. So <laughs> in addition, in addition to that being an incredible piece of wisdom on this play, it is stellar cat content, which I always appreciate. It is. It is. So, it is. Although, can I just tell you, that yeah. comes from a dog person. Well, that's I, that immaterial to me. Immaterial, uh, okay. Immaterial. Okay. So, but it's a no. It's a really good point. Like it, it's it's like, and I, I really appreciate it. Like like what can't what can't you do after you've killed someone? You can't kill them. And it's like again, you think about a cat playing playing with a mouse, and it's yeah. and like I've seen my cat do this. Like the moment that my cat realizes they have killed the thing they were playing with, it's they just, just walk away. It's over. Yeah. yeah it's and it, yeah. that's the worst. That's the worst yeah. thing. That's the worst thing for them. So, yeah. uh, so I, and I think that's a, I think that's an incredible take on the, on the play is, is that like you, you once, once Hamlet kills Claudius, he can no longer kill Claudius. And I think yeah. it, it also gets into, and, and this is part of the reason, the radicality of this, it also gets into the hollowness of, of the revenge plot because in, right. in how, how it is utterly, particular and i think that is the thing that you would want to say that hamlet struggles with is that to listen to his father's voice he has to embark on this utterly particular project revenge can never be political because it is utterly utterly personal uh that's that's a great that's such a that's so well put and it's a great point yeah thank you thank you it's an apolitical position yeah. Seek revenge. And, yeah. And, and, and I think that like for me is a huge part of the, of the struggle. And again, like how does he, how does he make it poli- political as I keep coming back to is, is he, oh, he, it has to also be misogynistic. So it has to have this, that, that has to be the other, the other way against it. And, 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 and again, like that interacts with what was happening like politically in England with the ascension of the queen and, and all that. But like, again, it's not, that's not a, that's not a political project as such that's like like you're you're carrying out this 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 again this utterly personal task that uh, the only reason like the only reason that it 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 sucks in other people is because like hamlet sucks in other people to it had he killed claudius when he could have it's just between him and claudius like but then the way that he goes about it it's almost like what the play is 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 trying to do is like like hamlet is trying to find a way to politicize it as as in as in universalize it as in have it to, to do with more people than just him and this, yeah. this demand from his father. And in so doing, he kills everybody. Like, it's just like, That's everybody's right. dead. It's and, a bloodbath. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, so I find, so I think that that's a, a pretty, a pretty fascinating, uh, uh, take. And I think it's a pretty fascinating take on the revenge genre, which as you mentioned, Spanish tragedy, revengers tragedy. Um, I'm sure there's a, play by Middleton I'm forgetting about that's a revenge tragedy like like yeah. the you know it like Fletcher absolute dominant genre at the time right dominant. absolute dominant genre and yeah. Shakespeare uses it to do something totally against the the genre right like that's what's yeah. so incredible about it yeah. I think you know like again I think the way that it just to, like we've harped I think a lot on this as Hamlet's misogyny and the and the misogyny of the project of seeking after the direct access to the real mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. because then you have to put someone in the role of mediation and the, yeah. thus, thus as the villain. And it's always going to be the the figure of the woman. Right. And I, and I think that 
but again, because it's of the voice of the father, right? Because the the, because the name the of the father, father, the voice of the father, right. that it's going right. to structurally require that, right? And then, but the great thing about the play is, I think it's being very critical of that, yes. and then, and and so, and then it shows this transformation in Hamlet till he, where he gets to a point where, you know, this turn to sublimation, I think, and and mm. then, and then this move away from Gertrude and the move away from. You know, he's able to proclaim his love for Ophelia. She's not there, obviously, right. to receive it, but yes. but he's able to proclaim it publicly and even bombastically. Uh, yeah. And 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 that's he wasn't able to do that before. And I, then I think that I mean the end of the play, I think is 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 compelling. To you know, this whole like Horatio is like I'm gonna I'm gonna join you, and then and then uh, you know what does Hamlet say? Like uh, report my cause aright and. And Horatio's like, never believe it. I was more antique Roman than Dane. I'm going to off mm-hmm. myself too. And then, and then Hamlet says his famous absinthe from Felicity a while, which is, by the way, I think how whenever anybody's uh, on the verge of committing suicide, we just say absinthe from Felicity a while. I don't know that that would work. I mean, but it does. <laughs> it does work with Horatio. It does seem to uh, work. <laughs> it's the opposite tack, right? Like everyone's yeah. like, don't do it, don't do it, and then. Rather than saying, obviously you can't say do it, but if you just said absinthe from Felicity a while, that maybe that would work. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I, in the in the in, in the bounds of fiction, uh, uh, that perhaps, but, but I think, but 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 that's that's the important point, right? Is that like the that's you think it only a, works in fiction? No, 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 no. I mean, no, no, like, no, don't I, you think there is a real problem? Like, what do you say to the person? Like, you? No, like, I oh, bec- totally, totally agree. No, my point, my point was, my point was the it's it's. The, I think it's evincing this, like, like again, like Hamlet has had, I mean, we didn't even talk about the, obviously the very famous soliloquy and, and, uh, but, but like Hamlet has had a lot of great lines. He's had a lot of great speeches and his friend's going to kill himself. And he just said that one thing. That's what I'm saying that is, 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 is like, is, is not, I, I don't think that's like, that's like a, um, that's like, there's like a paucity of, of, of language or, or this was a, you know, you know, Shakespeare really like let himself down with this one. What I mean is that like, the the important part i think this is what we we've been getting to is that like hamlet has no capacity to invest in fiction and i think that this is where uh lacan the later later lacan like the the wisdom of i said this to you the non-duped air would yeah. would have really 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 helped his his reading here and i, I uh, know. and and I so, know. so and the meaning of that phrase we talked about before is that like you have to be you have to be a dupe a little bit to be in the symbolic. You you yeah. you can't you can't have the the too cool for school like outsiders <laughs> position that like yeah. everything is fake. Like the like the I talked about a couple of podcasts ago. Like the the psychotic position being untenable. Like you know when I, after the I suffered the TBI and I thought everything was fake and it was just this was all like a show put on for me personally to uh, right. to, to to live like like you can't you can't live that way like the, the to to be in the symbolic and i think this is something that that hamlet demonstrably su- su- uh, uh struggles with and suffers from in the play is that like he doesn't know how to be in the symbolic anymore especially after the like after this he didn't know when the play started and then he has the the his father's ghost that that interaction and that makes it even harder um, right. and, and, and it, it just, that just doubles and triples down his, like this, this need for, for like direct access to authenticity. So anyway, I would, I would say the advice that he's giving to 
uh, to Horatio at that moment is that that you have to be you have to be in you have to be invested in fiction. Like, yeah, like that. that yeah. I think that's like you have to find a way to be invested in the fiction. And I think in fiction, that's a lot easier to say than it is in a real world. But I think it's a, to, to to someone who is suicidal. But I think that's the overriding thing that is like most important, which is that like I agree, you, you're, you're I losing agree. the tie to the symbolic, and you have to find a way to get that right. tie back. Right. But isn't the idea like how do you connect this radical program of questioning of the yeah. figure of authority to yes. And investment in the fiction. Like yes. those two things seem like they're inextricably at odds with each other. And yes. I think the challenge that the play lays down is how can you think those? T- I don't think the play does it, but I think yeah. the challenge it lays down is how do you think those together? Yeah. Right. Like that's yeah. and, and not at one as the natural result, not this, not taking the first thing and then getting in, get using that as the basis for rejecting the fiction. Yeah, and I think th- I think this is Max's concern, right? Like he's so great on this point in that essay where he says there there's he doesn't phrase it this way exactly, but he thinks there there's too many there are too many readings of Hamlet where all they where they're if it's not their stated goal, what they end up doing is uh domesticating the antagonisms of the play. And right. they make like, right. oh, it simply it simply couldn't have been this complex because Shakespeare was a Christian writing to a Christian audience. And then it's like ghosts are not in Protestantism. Like there's a lot of Catholic stuff in this and there's a lot of pagan stuff even. So like there's, so that, that doesn't make sense, but but like on on its face, but it's also like, like it's a, it's a way of like rejecting and reducing the complexity of it. So you don't have to think about the, think about the things that are uncomfortable. And that's like Max point throughout that really, that, that, that essay is, is that like, like the, the true, I think, I, I think, you tell me if he would agree with my characterization of the the essay and his mission there, but like the true task of even thinking of critical thinking. And this is an, like, this is why reading Hamlet is so important to him and why he thinks it's like, it's such a crucial part of modern subjectivity is like the crucial task is to find a way to maintain like uncomfortability and not wash it out. Right. Right. That's right. That's right. And Hamlet, Hamlet keeps making things uncomfortable for people. Right. Yeah. Like that's what he does. So yeah, I think that's pretty good. And then again, the challenge is how do you do that and still accept the symbolic fiction that rules yeah. over everyone? So like, it is, it does seem like a contradictory project, I think. Right. Like, I think so. But, a, but, but yeah. a very, I think the, perhaps the most worthwhile one, which is like, yeah. like you, like, cause of course, cause the idea of the non-duped error isn't, uh, oh, you, you need to take everything at face value. Take now. everything. Right. 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 The, a- like, absolutely everything. Not. Everything the symbolic authority says, just accept that. That's yeah. not the answer, right? No, right. no. It's the it's that yeah. it's it's actually Hamlet's struggle, and I think it's a very contemporary one. Which, like, I mean, you can see this, like, in you see this with QAnon and all the all the conspiracy theory things that that, that pop up about vaccines or whatever. Is that like it has to be absolute rejection uh, of of. Of, of 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 authority of all kind in 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 any right. way except right. for one particular the authority, kind of authority except for one. <laughs> that, right. that, right. that 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 right. tell that has the straight line on truth but right. then it leaves then i think this is the I, I would say this would be the bad this like like the the QAnon or the anti-vaxxer would be like a really nice figure of the total wrong way to try to maintain this because what they reject uh are you know complete like the efficacy of scientifically proven like vaccines and, and, and ways of like being in the world and like, like count, like counting votes and things like that. But do you know what they accept is that when they 
they put something in their GPS to take them to a place that they've never been before that they're going to get there. No question. No right. question whatsoever. Right. And and right. that there's not a problem with that. Or And they'd also, like, if I go to a store and I have this amount of money, I'm going to get a product exactly right. for that. It's like, like no, and, 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 and not questioning the commodity exchange, the whole, right. like, the, 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 the money, the, the, like, the things, what are the thing, what are the very mundane things that had to happen for you to do very mundane things? So it's like, it's completely, it's completely flipped. Like I, I would say, I don't know if this is, this is the, the absolute prescription, but like, um, what, what, what we have in the contemporary moment is like a complete rejection of expertise and an absolute utter faith in the mundane. And I right. think it would be a little bit better if it was a reversed. I, like, well, I think it's, what's interesting to me is you and I have talked about this in the past, like maybe Thomas Pynchon reverses mm. it, right? Like the mm-hmm, mundane mm-hmm. It's totally suspicious to him. Yes. But the larger structural thing he just accepts. So yeah. it's a kind of I, interesting. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think so. Yeah. So if that would be our, our literary. So like, like that's, a, I think an interesting claim for this, uh, this podcast that, that Pynchon try that, uh, his whole project is to take up the Hamlet's, the, 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 the challenge problem. that Hamlet leaves us. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 But I think the lesson it, it's because to me, I, we didn't get to this, but the, there's a whole, <laughs> thing about the different versions of Hamlet and, and different readers that, that mm. like them. But I, I just want to say that I think the lesson is, has to be watch the Kenneth Branagh yeah, version of Hamlet. For it's sure. four hours long, and it, mm-hmm. but it's, it's word for word. It's line for line. Nothing's cut. So it's really, it's worth your time, I think. It's also, like, it is a joy. It is an absolute joy to see Jack Lemmon just reading, like doing Shakespearean like yeah. first yeah. uh well no he's not doing he's he's always speaking in prose because he's a lower right uh, character. he's just a soldier yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. but that's uh, that's true and i i think that um i think he's marcellus right i think yeah. that's who he is yeah yeah, yeah. uh yeah anyway so and if somebody needs it since there were so many people that were generous with me and and sending us copies of the oh, big yeah. sky, which I want to thank people oh, yeah, for. Yeah. Uh, this lesson, you, I actually have it. So if anyone can't find, it's very pretty easy to find. But if you can't find it, I can send it to you. So and also, oh, now, I will say, oh, oh sorry, yeah. no, we're oh, not done. No. Oh, no, 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 not yet. Sorry, not I yet. jumped the gun. Wow. You jumped the gun. We're not over <laughs> now yet. I would also say, so I um, I totally, I'm going to send this to you right now. I totally. Uh, referenced uh, something uh, that I had published uh, multiple times in the last episode and did not send you the link to put in the show notes. I'm going to send that to you. So that's going to be in this show notes, but it's about last episode. And I think another thing that you would be willing to share with people, because it's hard to access, is Max article. About Max this. essay. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so both of us will have Max essay. So you can, yes. if, you, who, if you're in regularly in contact with one of us or like to email either of us, we both have that. So we do. All so cats know. Now. Time. Now, over now. and out, right? <laughs> over and out time.